GG Poker is the biggest online poker site and they have more players than any other on the internet. Why play anywhere else? They have a wide range of games and unique features that you just can't find on any other site. GG Poker run huge tournaments with big prize pools and they hold the record for the biggest ever prize pool on an online poker tournament. There are games for all players at all skill levels, whether you're new to poker or a seasoned pro, including cash games and exciting tournaments like Bounty Hunters and Sunday Majors. GG Poker offer popular games like Texas Hold'em and Omaha to unique games like All In or Fold and Spin and Gold. New players that make their first deposit get £60 in free play, 18+, plus. new UK players only, minimum deposit is £10, full terms and conditions apply, begambleaware.org and please play responsibly. AG1 is a comprehensive and convenient blend of over 70 high quality ingredients and what that means is each morning when I wake up, before I do anything else, I drink AG1 to set me up for the day. It keeps me clear-headed, full of energy and focused on whatever I need to do, like writing a fighting cock for example. One scoop, once a day, before breakfast and that's it. I've actually found that I've not been needing coffee in the morning to get me started. I've still been drinking coffee because I love coffee but it's not because it's like a necessity to do so. AG1 is made out of the highest quality ingredients subject to the strictest manufacturing standards. AG1 is NSF certified for sport and this process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs for your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock. That's drinkag1.com forward slash the fighting cock to get started. And to help the podcast. Thank you very much. Have a great day and enjoy the show. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. GEICO asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, GEICO can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. 
Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance, and more, and Geico is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com or contact your local agent today. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. It's the fight in. It's the fight in. Clock. A camel shut Hello and welcome to a very special episode of the Fighting Cop podcast today. I'm joined by George Knott of Football Radar and basically what happened, we got an email from George, didn't we, uh, about three, a couple of months ago? Just what, after the draw. Yeah, just yeah. after the draw when, when um, we got drawn Ghent in the, in, in the Europa League. And as people who listen to the podcast regularly, they'll realise that we're terrible at previewing games because our, our understanding of anything outside of Tottenham is pretty much zero. Um, and you, you said, why don't we come down and have a little chat about our opponents, Ghent? And I thought that was a good idea, because I don't know anything, and I only learn a few things. But also, you cover Belgian football for your, for your job. Spurs have a massive contingent of, of German players. Not, I mean, we've got three or four, but they're massively important to us. And, you know, I want to talk a bit about how Tottenham are perceived in, 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 in Belgium as well, um, before going and previewing the Europa League tyres. So, George, tell us a bit about... Firstly, you're, you're from England or Wales. I'm from Wales. Sorry, yeah. sorry, <laughs> it's just the accent. Uh, but why are you watching Belgian football day? Why? Well, it? It, <laughs> it is a bit weird for a sort of day-to-day job, but it's quite it's quite good fun. So I, I about a year and a half ago, found out about this company called Football Radar. Um, applied, got a job there, and we are we're a company based in London. We're a, a football analytics and a statistical modelling company. And what we do is there are just sort of a load of people like me who cover about 40 leagues across the globe, everything from the Premier League to the Belgian Pro League to the Japanese third tier. And so my job as the Belgian analyst is to watch and analyse every game played in the Belgian League and then when teams from Belgium play in Europe, play in their domestic cups. It's kind of my job to be 
the smartest guy in football mm-hmm. when it comes to Belgian football. Yeah. Um, and that's the same for all of our analysts across, across the company. So it's not like, how does it differ from something like Opta? Who it, I mean, that, that seems sound similar stats and 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 you know key. I mean, successful passes and that sort they, of thing. Is that it? In a way, we are similar. Um, but what we've tried to do is sort of take a a different approach to football um, and not look at just kind of completed passes and sort of uh, shots on target because we sort of feel that that doesn't give you the full picture. Yeah. About football, you know, no. it's all well and good saying X player made 100 successful passes in this game but if they're five yards to his centre midfield partner he's not doing too much so we wanted to try and develop a model of analytics that just helps you understand the game that bit better I think there's always an argument isn't there for people who enjoy stats in football and people that hate them um, and there's, there is a, there's a happy medium somewhere because stats yeah. are useful it does give you an understanding of the game a more academic understanding I guess but there's also a subjective element about based on someone's personal knowledge and how much football they've watched where you can see things that stats won't give you and so it feels like football radar is that kind of happy medium isn't it? Absolutely. You're using your personal opinion as much as you are statistical information. Absolutely. Um, And you know you often see it kind of trotted out on on TV where you, you hear people sort of saying the stats aren't telling you everything and in a way we despite being a statistical modelling company, we kind of agree with a lot of that because pure stats don't tell you everything. So mm-hmm. we, and we've still not cracked it. We're still kind of researching every day to try and work out how can you take this data and quantify it in a way that you can really understand football through figures and that aren't just simple passing shot stats whatever so do, do you ever get clubs approaching you for information and asking you about players or is that an element to it or can you not is that that side of the business you can't really talk about or? I'm, I'm a little I'm a little constrained on on that sort of thing okay um, it's just so it, pe- pe- people I understand that and I won't push any further people are asking they'll say why aren't you asking about that so that, that's the only reason I was, don't worry about it that's cool um, so um, yeah Spurs uh, I'm, I mean they would have gone under the radar for a long time, Tottenham. They're probably most people in the continent would have known Tottenham for being certainly before two thousand and six, where we hadn't qualified for Europe for a long time, for just being a kind of mediocre football club, and we were that by, by admission. Um, but we've kind of grown into a team that's occasionally been in the Champions League, but certainly a mainstay in the Europa League, where you tend to meet clubs from Belgium. But added to that, we've had the rise from Pochettino's influences and how that's affected the team. But most importantly, we've, we've got Belgian national players in our side and really well thought of, you know, Moussa Dembele. I know he doesn't start for Belgium. I think he should. I, I, I think he should too. Really? I, I think he should right, too. Let's start with him then because he's my favourite. Well, I mean, it's an interesting one with the Belgian, Belgian national team because they kind of, they massively underperformed in the Euros. Yeah. And, and especially when you look at that kind of Spurs three of Alderweireld, Dembele and Vertonghen, none of them really... I just, they, they had some injury problems as well but none of them really kind of pushed themselves into the side in the Euros and Dembele is a strange one I mean uh, personally I, I've said this for years he's one of the best players I've ever seen in the flesh well, yeah. I was blown away the first time I saw him and I think he will get a bit more time under Martinez but there's still that kind of I think a lot of the Belgian managers have seen Axel Witzel and Dembele as sort of a, a similar player when Witzel has often been the one to take that role mm. and then they've opted for, for Fellaini which I still don't entirely understand but 
he does offer something different. But you have to feel that with Dembele's form this season at Spurs, he is going to come into that that Belgian national team. I mean, I've, I've been looking, I've been banging the Dembele drum for pretty much since he arrived at Tottenham. I, I absolutely love him. I adore him. I think he's amazing. Um, and he kind of was brought in to replace Modric which is a very difficult thing to do. I mean, I love Dembele, but Modric is probably the best footballer I've ever seen in the flesh. And then probably Dembele, just because of the way he plays, his strength, you just cannot get the ball yeah. off him, his skill. The only thing missing from it is that statistically uh, sexy thing of assists and goals. I don't know if that's even a phrase. But the, uh, the you know, he doesn't score that many. He doesn't assist that many, but he's... Whole, he, all the good stuff that goes through Tottenham that happens at Tottenham goes through Dembele um, we miss him deeply when he, when, when, when he doesn't play so that's good to hear but on, the, then we've got out of Erod as well as since coming into the Tottenham team it's just uh, we've become such a difficult team to score against and that seems to follow him wherever he goes same with Southampton and I'm not, I'm not sure how much he played at, at Atletico but you know, he, he's what is. Why is he so good? It's hard to put into words. I do get the sense with Alderweireld. There's the sense of him, kind of a presence that's actually off the pitch as well with him. Like he seems just the way he carries himself is extremely good. But I also think for Belgium as well. Now it's interesting since Martinez has come in because he's actually started experimenting with a back five, sort of back three, back five, as however you kind of want to view it, depending on whether your fullbacks are playing mm. and I think that actually suits Alderweireld quite well um, especially when he's got Vertonghen next to him um, but he's just he just he reads the play I mean you watch games against Spurs and Belgium to a certain extent but they're still a work in progress mm. I think it's just the fact that like when you see crosses come in he's just he's in the right place before the cross is hit he knows yeah. It's that kind of eyes in the back of your head sort of thing where you know what's behind you just as sort of this kind of a natural instinct. And playing with the Tongan is such a huge part of that. When they're together, I mean, you'll probably agree, and you will see more of Spurs than I have, mm. but there's just something about having that experience. And then when they went to the Euros and weren't being paired next to each other, yeah. it was just madness. It was. It's absolute madness. We, we were, they were so good together. Yeah. Um, were they were they used as fullbacks? I can't remember. I th- I've got a feeling in one game they might have been, and then sort of at one point one would be a centre half, one would be a fullback. Yeah, it just it doesn't make sense. So much of a centre back pairing is about chemistry and, and an understanding yeah. of each other. And I think the interesting thing with Belgium is the part of the reason they did that is because they don't, did, or certainly the Euros, they didn't have particularly good fullbacks. No. Certainly not the level of the rest of their team. Mm. So playing that back three. I think is quite an interesting move because they do have good centre halves, you know, and companies fit as well. Yeah, that's a formidable back three, and that way you can have them all playing in their best position. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's quite exciting that Belgian team. Uh, it should it should go on and do great things. I mean, they've got an incredible squad, an amazing first eleven, but just the depth in their squad. Oh, it's astounding! It I is mean, amazing. Well, I mean, when we're what, saying, do you know why why that might be? What happened in Belgium? Is it luck or just a? a, a it's like a, a bar, you know, suitcase of great players have just landed on the conveyor belt. I mean, I think there is that to an extent. There is an interesting rule in Belgium whereby in the league, and not all of these players came through the Belgian league, but a fair number did, 
there's a rule that in your uh, match day 18 for a game, you have to have six players in there who are so homegrown players. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, you see it's kind of known as a league where these young players come through. And I'm seeing even this season, some of the guys at Anderlecht are just 19, 20 years old and they're brilliant players, but they are kind of getting that. Some clubs sort of bemoan the fact because it does make it difficult to mm. field an 18 without putting a 16-year-old on the bench, but it does give these youngsters this chance to play at the top level. Mm. Some come straight into the first team. So that could be a factor. I do think there is also just this mm. factor of... They all came they through. All came through at yeah, the it's like time. the golden generation yeah, yeah. kind of thing. I, I also think that with rules like that, it is beneficial to the development of national players and the national team. Um, and, it, and it shows the difference in it's the Juleper is it Juleper? Jupiter Jupiter sorry yeah. Jupiter League um, in the, the Premier League is, is all about the brand the global brand the, the, the purchase the syndication of, of, of the football throughout and, and to ha- they're not interested in the development of, of homegrown players it doesn't affect the Premier League brand at all no. so let's just get the best players yeah. let's relax rules and, and, and deregulate essentially the, 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 the betterment of the national team which is one way of looking at it. We do have an exciting league, you know, English football is exciting. Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's the argument because if you were sort of to implement a rule like that in the Premier League, then you're in danger of making it a less entertaining league because mm. it is the most entertaining league in the world because you have the best of the best pretty much yeah. come into the Premier League. Whereas, you know, if you're implementing that, it, it could affect it. But then, as you see with Belgium, it, mm. it can help the national team. Absolutely. Um... So yeah, Spurs are facing Ghent in uh, is it Gent or Ghent? Ghent. It's because sometimes it's spelled with a H and sometimes yeah, a G N T. But it's still yeah, Ghent. Um, what? I mean, how how is Europa League football seen in Belgium? And because in England it was kind of seen as an inconvenience. No, very few Spurs fans are looking at the, apart from the ones going out to Belgium that are going to go out and have a good time. Most people are seeing this as a tie that you kind of want to get out of the way. You want to win, but not have to play the first team don't want to exert too much energy don't want it to affect our Champions League to re-qualify for that but how might that be seen in it's kind of the other way around right I mean this there was a video of the Ghent players watching the the round of 32 draw for the Europa League and when they saw Spurs come out the hat against them they were going bonkers really yeah I mean this is huge this is a chance you know they could have been playing quite an obscure tie in Eastern Europe and now they've got Spurs playing at Wembley this is a massive game and I mean Ghent especially even throughout the group stages at times the manager would whereas with Spurs especially I think if you guys were in the group stages of the Europa League you'd expected Pochettino to go obviously strongest team in the league and then rotate yeah. in the Europa League um, Ghent's manager Van Hazebroek often did slightly the opposite and he'd play a bit of a weakened side in the league and then go full strength in Europe. Um, How does he get away with that, though? Doesn't he not expected to challenge for the title? Yeah, he is, and they're having real problems oh, with really? it. Now, which is why this, these Spurs games are going to be interesting, because there's only five games left in the regular season in Belgium. Um, four games by the time the uh, first leg of Spurs Ghent has been played. And to challenge for the title in Belgium without going into this ridiculously complicated league system and too much depth you have to finish the regular season in the top six and you get to the championship playoff now again are currently fifth 
uh, and the sort of four spots beneath them are so tight. Yeah. So they basically got Europa League to contend with, which you know I would expect them to go full strength in, and then the league as well. And if they didn't finish in the top six, it would be deemed a major disappointment. You know, they're one of the big boys in, in Belgian football. What if they beat Spurs and, and finish outside the top six? It's, that's an interesting one, actually, because yeah. I, I, it would still be... It's a really strange one, because it would be huge for them to beat Spurs. Where, where, absolutely huge. Where did Ghent have to finish in the league to, to, to qualify for the Europa League again? Uh, they'd have to finish uh, third or fourth. In, um, uh, in the playoff? Yeah, at the end of the playoffs, um, second, third, or fourth, and the top two go into Champions League. Only the top, only the first place goes directly into Champions League, and then second as qualifiers. Yeah, all right, fair enough. Um, so they're, they're up for it. They're going to be up for it. Oh, they they will be really up for it. And I think it would be without being disrespectful. I think we run the risk of not being at the races at Tottenham um, in the times when we've played a second string team this season we've struggled massively I can think of one game where two games where we played well and the, the, the game against Seska at Wembley where we, we beat them quite convincingly in the end um, but we, we, you know Harry Kane was playing and Son was playing it, it, I can imagine him resting some during this game so how do, how do Ghent beat Tottenham if they're the underdogs how, how, do they, how, do they, how do you think they can beat Tottenham I mean I'd say their main outlet is is against top scorer they're the striker a uh, guy called Kalafakula Bali and it's sort of the way I'd, I'd sort of put him to you is he's almost kind of Marley's answer to Peter Crouch he's this huge kind of six foot seven very physical striker actually more so he is such a threat in the air is he's he? so ungainly on the ball I mean sometimes you see him on the ball and it's 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 a mystery that he's playing at this level and then you see a cross come into the box and you realise why, because he can be a real, real threat from set pieces. Um, he scored a volley in the last minute of the group stages of the Europa League to send Ghent through. Mm. And he's kind of this headers and volleys sort of guy. And he's the guy they'll probably look to. But they, it, do they play quite direct then? Yeah, tactically they're a really, really interesting team. Um, they kind of don't really play a recognised formation. Um, they'll they, it's sort of 3-4-3 three, three, sort of 3-6-1 but they go to a back four at times they'll often play with a winger on one side but not on the other side they play with a lot of very asymmetrical formations which mm. sometimes if a team hasn't put in their homework against them then they could cause them trouble because the players pop up sort of where you wouldn't expect them to be Yeah, um, and I think that's probably how they would I mean to be honest if I'm being totally realistic, if Spurs played their strongest team, which they're not going to, I don't think Ghent would stand a chance. Mm. Not of the quality of the Spurs that I've seen this season playing time and again in the Premier League. So where there could be weaknesses is if Spurs are playing a slightly weakened team and playing people not in positions they're familiar with, mm. then there could be real trouble. I think... Um that definitely will happen. Kane won't, won't play. Alderweire won't play. Vertonghen isn't fit. Uh, Dembele won't play. Winks will likely to start. So you, we, we'd, we'd likely to see see a team that has probably plays three four three or four two three one. I was going to ask you that. Would you? Because I know sort of Pochettino at times this season has gone into a, a kind of a back three, a back five. Would you think he might? Revert to that then against um, the team that so plays that system. He's now his he's favourite position is a is a three four three. Yeah, with Danny Rose and Walker as 
I mean, you'd say wing backs, or but their average position when we play at home is almost the most forward. Yeah. You know, they're literally sitting there. It's it's almost like an old fashioned um, formation that you the Spurs won the league with in '61, which yeah. was having five forwards. You know, two fly halves or whatever, but you know, centre halves and one at the back. It's crazy at times, but his team sits so deep at White Hart Lane that yeah. there's no no other choice, and that formation is perfect to, to, to break down teams that are, are so defensively resolute. Um, but we've lost Danny Rose and Vatonga to injury, so it means that we don't have enough depth in uh, in, in defence to play three at the back. Yeah, so. That um, Ben Davies, in in the absence of Danny Rose, plays at that yeah. wing back role. But ideally, preferably, you play in part of the back three as he does for Wales. I mean, I, I think that's his position. I don't I don't think he has the pace to play as a Premier League left back. Yeah, I think he is. He um, it's quite a niche position, but I think that is his position. Is the left side of a back three. Yeah, and and it's a shame for him because he would have played there given Vertonghen's injury. But yeah, Rose has been out. So it's forced him back yeah. into that fullback position. So it's unfortunate. I'm not sure how he sees himself, but like you say, for Wales, certainly that he looked very comfortable yeah. during the Euros, and he would have been a good replacement. We also have Vimmer as well, who um, he can also play that role, and is certainly can't play fullback. He's not mobile enough. But um, I don't know. It'll probably end up being a four-two-three-one, or if he can squeeze three at the back, then then he will. Um, but uh, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. So. Who uh, you mentioned this here? Four four two's fifty best managers in the world. Their manager Hein van Heisbroek. Hein van Heisbroek. Yeah. Heisbroek. I'm not. I'm not entirely convinced. I'm saying it correctly <laughs> myself. But yeah, it's sort of what I was saying about them tactically. Um, and I think at the end of last year, four four two magazine released their fifty best managers in the world for the year. And he was uh, number twenty eight. I think one place ahead of George Sampaoli. So kind of really mixing it with. Big with man. the top top guys in the world, and he is he is a really forward thinking manager. I mean, he he they've struggled this season, but in uh, season before last, he won the league again. It's the first time they've won the league. He then last season took them to the last sixteen of the Champions League, which I mean for them was Madness. absolutely enormous. Yeah, I mean he, to go out at that stage, it was still a huge success for the club. The problem with them slightly was their three best players really last season all left in the summer and had not who, really who replaced they? them. There's a guy called Sven Kums who was bought by Watford and has been sent out on loan to Udinese where he's just not having a great time. Mm. They had a striker called uh, Laurent de Poitre who went to Porto, again has struggled. And then their goalkeeper went to Newcastle, this guy called Matt Sells, and has just totally flopped at Newcastle really which is bizarre because he was so good last season it just it, sometimes you, and it, for football you can understand it because you get into the Premier League even with Watford more money um, if you have a good a good season you could end up moving to a bigger club in the Premier League and you can set yourself up for, for life and you understand it from their perspective but so much about football seems to be about every the, the, the whole package the yeah. whole club are you having the right manager are the tactics correct for you is the environment supportive um, and it isn't just to say so you're a great player and you leave the club you saw some of the Southampton players that left Pochettino, uh, left uh, Southampton and went to Liverpool struggled massively under yeah. Brendan Rodgers yeah. because Brendan Rodgers has a different method to Pochettino the Lovren and Lallana have come good under Klopp but it seems uh, it's a shame sometimes that players are less willing to stick around and see things through but 
by the same token you can understand why they yeah. didn't move and, I mean with sort of going back to Belgian football with the top clubs that's it's just how life works in football mm. players don't if you have a really good season they don't stick around you know it is it's a feeder league really to the bigger European leagues what Ghent failed to do though was replace them which they've struggled with this season yeah. they might have replaced them in this transfer window just gone they bought eight new players broke their record transfer fee twice because they were just thinking look we've really struggled without these three guys we need more players in what did they spend? Uh, I think their record fee they spent around around 3 million euros first off on a goalkeeper a guy called Lovra Kalinic who they brought in from Croatia and then they spent about three and a half million on a guy called Yuya Kubo from Young Boys in uh, Switzerland. He's oh. a, a Japanese kind of striker, second striker sort of guy. And they they both look good so far, but they've only played two or three games each for the club. What um, is that? A, is that a large transfer fee in Belgium? Yeah. So I mean, in the summer, the summer window, the largest fee that's ever been paid by a Belgian club was around 9 million euros for a guy called Nikolai Stanchu, which was paid by, uh, paid by Anderlecht. Um, so that gives you, you know, Ghent are one of the bigger teams in, in Belgian football and their record transfer fee was 3.5 mm. million. So players go for a lot. I mean, Genk this window sold Ndidi to Leicester for around, I think it was around 15 million pounds and Leon Bailey to Leverkusen for... A re- I'm not sure the exact figure but a similar fee so the outgoings players yeah. you know fetch a lot of money but they just don't often bring in players for the same value you, um, you're rating quite highly don't you Ndidi I do um, I, yeah I mean at, at Genk he was superb for his age as well he would they play such an attacking formation he would essentially at times play as a one man midfield mm. and would still just mop it up and wander around would they have replaced him to, uh, to kind of fill that gap left by Kante I, I, think, that, I think that was the idea they're they're slightly different players um, but I definitely think that was the idea because I mean obviously everyone's seen how much Leicester have suffered without Kante and I'm sure there are other factors to it but it's surely not pure coincidence that he came out and they were, suddenly they were leaking goals and I think that's the idea Mm. He's not Angola Kante at the moment. He's so young, but I do think he will he will grow into a, a really decent sort of top level footballer. Yeah, and um, and what about Spurs? I mean, we've obviously we have a, a penchant for uh, for Belgian players. Is there any any young any young players that we especially should be looking at, or anyone you think that might fit? There are there are a few actually. There's uh, there are a couple of guys at Anderlecht who are. I've been so impressed with this season. They've got two central midfielders, both young Belgians, um, both capped by Martinez recently, a guy called Yuri Tielemans and a guy called Leander Dendonka. Uh, and they, they're two players I would see fitting a Spurs system quite well because they're hard-working midfield players, quite well-disciplined. Um, but there's another guy called Henry Onyekuru, who's a 19-year-old player, was on the brink of going to Celtic in January, actually, uh, and he's a winger and he's just... He came in this season. I'd never heard of the guy before the start of the season, and it just blown people away. Uh, he plays for a really small town club called Oipen, and it's just he's just something else to watch. Really? Yeah. So there are 
It, but it's kind of the sad thing for someone like me who day in day out watches Belgian football because <laughs> as soon as a guy gets really good, yeah. I stop seeing them and off they go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we we did a special similar to this actually. We did a special about um, Vincent Janssen in the uh, in the summer. Yeah, and we there's a, a, a you might know a, a, a lady called uh, Priya Romesh. And she writes. She's written for the Guardian. She's she's only nineteen or whatnot, but she knows her football, and she focuses mainly on the, the Dutch league. Yeah, and I think she does the Belgian league as well. I'm pretty sure. But she said the same thing: is that every time you know there's a, a big standout player, then they end up going and they don't yeah. have to watch them anymore. But she also said that Vincent Janssen was very good. <laughs> and as it turns out, I was going to say you might disagree. With one that, of I, I, I'm not still not quite sure how he's made it. Like you mentioned about. Kulabali. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. What, and, and actually, someone ask anyone you know at your company and yeah. get him to contact me and, and figure out what I'm not seeing about him because he seems almost he's understanding football scenes that are kind of remedial. It seems like <laughs> he's not able to position himself or he makes the wrong runs consistently. Um, his confidence is shot. That's good. yeah, but that's I'm not going to judge him on that. But he gets compared to Soldado quite often and. I mean, it's just these Soldado missed chances. He can't yeah. have, Jansen's not even getting it. Yeah. Um, so, it, it, as you guys, Football Radar, understand Vincent Jansen better than I am, I, I wonder if. Well, it is an interesting one because I mean, a, a friend of mine, he actually he left the company recently, but he was covering the Dutch Eredivisie last season. And when Jansen moved to Spurs, he really was sort of just raving over him yeah. not necessarily saying he's going to come in and, and push Harry Kane out the team and be a 25 goal a season striker but was just sort of so excited to see him in the Premier League and did think he would settle and it's just not been the case it's, it, it's, this is what I'm saying it's not, it's not, like, we actually made a pact I'm breaking my own pact that I made with the other lads on the fight got not to say anything bad about Jansen until we've got something good to say about him but it's just an opportunity that I can't pass up um We'll see. I hope to God. I hope to God he comes back. If Harry Kane gets injured, he's literally our um, our forward line. Um, have you heard also? Have you heard of anything? Have you ever heard of Marcus Edwards? Um, yeah, the youngster. Yeah, so yeah, a lot of Spurs fans are really excited about him. Um, so that's another thing. If you could feedback and what what the opinions are and football okay. radar about. Do you have uh, Do you have a, a, someone looking at each club in England? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it's like all of our leagues though we don't put any sort of particular emphasis on the Premier League so we have two guys cover the Premier League oh, right. just as two guys cover cover every other league um, but they would know about mm. the youngsters in every team just as I know about your kind of your equivalents at Anderlecht and Ghent mm. really um, that's just that's so when, when, when you turned up at Football Radar was they were like oh you're going to you're going to cover the Belgian league and you're like fuck's sake no not at all actually because no when you start your first job is you start the role is called I think they've kind of rejigged the titles recently but it is a, you're essentially a football watcher mm. so you come in at the base level and your job is just to watch matches all day long um, live games recorded games and then if you kind of stay at the company for a bit and you can progress then you'll do something like I'm doing where you get assigned the league and you're kind of doing both on sort of live analysis and off-pitch analysis and that sort of stuff and researching about the youngsters and actually looking into how the team plays, the tactics, how they're going to shape up, that sort of thing. And what are you doing when you're a football watcher, other than watching football? Are you just gathering information yeah. and opinion so I'm, I'm, and then reporting I'm, on the game? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm using news sources. I'm sort of 
chatting to journalists over in, in Belgium, finding out what they think about, mm. you know, if there's some young guy starting suddenly for Ghent, he's 17 years old, um, getting in touch with them and seeing what they know about him, you know, where does he play, where, what, how is he going to fit into this system? Mm. It's just about kind of knowing these teams like the back of your hand really yeah yeah fair enough alright that's amazing really interesting chat and I think oh, thanks for having me oh no it's a pleasure absolutely thanks for coming down I mean like I said I don't know I probably an admission here is I, I before researching and reading a bit before you were coming in I wouldn't have known a single Kent player and that's my arrogance of <laughs> being able to follow a team like Tottenham but um, you know it's just um I do, I, do you know what my, I'm, the biggest thing is I don't know how you watch so much football like, do you never look at it and think oh, you can't be fucked to watch another game not because there, don't, your bosses might listen but no I mean it's, it's to be honest though you know it's a full time job and I probably watch eight games a week so it's not too bad not too bad I'll watch, yeah. watch maybe one on a Friday one on a Saturday one on a Sunday and then in the week just kind of catch up on the others and the rest of the time I'm sort of researching football that there are times I go home after work and uh, if it's not one of my teams so I was saying yeah. off my form a Liverpool and Wales fan if it's not one of them playing sometimes I'm just thinking I don't know I'll put a film on or yeah, enough yeah. football for the day do you have a favourite have you kind of got a favourite Belgian side now can you say do you lean towards you think I like watching these play because they can play great football or I, I, it might even be Ghent, to be honest. Really? Because re- they are a really interesting team. They are, you know, with sort of Van Hazelbrook being kind of put as one of these uh, kind of top 50 managers, they're an innovative team. They play football like no other team I've played. I mean, sometimes it can be a nightmare to analyse because I'm thinking, <laughs> who on earth is playing on the right wing? There's no one there. This is a big gap. And yet they've got two left wingers. It's making no sense. But at the same time, you know, it's... I've got to check this out. Forward thinking football. I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to Wembley for the game against Ghent and uh, I'm, I'm quite high up. So I'm going to keep oh, an you get a good, good tactical view. Yeah, 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 yeah I will. Um, Alright, fantastic um, Thank you so much Actually, you've you got a podcast The, the Football Radar the Yeah, podcast. so we've got The Football Radar podcast You can find it on uh, On sort of pretty much All, iTunes, all your yeah. usual podcast sources iTunes, it's on there And Twitter Just type Have you got a Twitter account? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter It's FRFootballGeorge F-R-V-O-E-T-B-A-L George And then we've also got The Football Radar Twitter account Which kind of just Retweets all the best content From all our analysts Covering all leagues Alright Nice one, and thank you to all for for downloading. Um, it's been a bit of a different one. We, we kind of went off topic quite a lot, but talking about Tottenham can be boring too. So, so, so this has been quite interesting for me. Uh, and we'll see you next Monday as usual for the Fighting Cock. <laughs> this is no longer the big dog. Ricky is. I'm not a big dog. You are. I'm just a main dog. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 
Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Network.